Hello and welcome to another session of the Possibility Podcast. Uh, I feel like I say this every time lately, but it has been a while since I've recorded. Um, it feels really good to ease myself of the pressure of being productive. On the other hand, the downside of that is I'm a lot less productive. <laughs> However, today a beautiful opportunity has emerged to have a conversation with Lisa Sabatini. Lisa is a shamanic Reiki practitioner. She has trained in, and Lisa, am I even saying, did I mix up two things or did I even say that right? Yeah, no, that's right. Um, you, you did put two things together, but they do go together. So. Okay, great. <laughs> great. Lisa's going to get a chance to say for herself who she is and what she does. Um, but Lisa has just found her way here to Kingston, where I live, from Ottawa, and into the clinic that I am associated with, Kingston Integrated Healthcare. And um, Lisa and I came to realize pretty quickly, I think, when we had a conversation before she arrived, that we could maybe have some really interesting conversations that might be of value to um, people that might listen. And so today we're going to talk about healing, we're going to talk about wholeness, we're going to talk about the earth, we're going to talk about our place in it, and anything else that, um, that emerges. So thank you so much, Lisa, for joining me. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to, to delve into some conversation and um, yeah, so I'm, I'm a shamanic healing practitioner and quantum shamanic Reiki master. And so, yeah, they, they do go together. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's a real privilege to do the kind of healing work that we do. So I love talking about it <laughs> and the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is, isn't it? You know, before we recorded, I, I suggested that we launch straight into a really big why, but I might actually ask you less of a really big why, first of all, <laughs> on more of a personal note, because I think maybe we share this too, like how you, you haven't always done this work. Where did you come from and what brought you into doing this work? Right. Yeah. Um, well, I originally came from uh, journalism and communications. And so I was um, a journalist for many years. I um, produced television. And um, so, you know, my background and and I, I like to explain it this way. It, journalism's about, it's about research, but communication's about how, you know, how we, we communicate things and um, taking things, especially in journalism that might be really complex and making them um, relatable or um, clear in far less complex ways. And, um, and that's really, um, you know, getting through with communication. And I feel like everything around us is communication. Like I've been studying communication in one way or another my whole life. And so even healing and the healing work that we do, that I do, is very much about communication, communicating with ourselves, communicating with our body, our emotions, our thoughts, um, our spirit, those are our beliefs, and even with nature. And we've, we've, we've talked a little bit about that too, just um, how we communicate with the world around us and how the world around us communicates with us. 
Totally. Beautiful. I love you say that everything is communication. It it reminds me of something I learned from um, through listening to a a Bruce Lipton audio book. I think it was the biology of belief that it's it's the interface. So really that 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 phase of of belief, how are we engaging with the experience, not what the actual experience is, or even physiologically what our body wants to do with it, but how are we engaging with the experience. And so what you say there about communication and the vital role that it plays is this, this interfacing mechanism between everything that goes on inside of us outside of us and that that bridges the two together. Yes. Yeah. And I, and, and I love looking at things in that way. Um, I feel like when we're talking about healing um, and we're talking about why, why, why do I do anything? And it's always been fascinating to me um, how we communicate, how we understand things, how we take that into an experience and then embody that in, in our lives. And so for me, why, why healing? Because I feel like that's when we really start to understand um, ourselves and the world around us and our experiences in a beautiful, healthy, loving way, rather than through fear and um, um, pain. And so it is a fundamental shift in how we show up in our lives for ourselves and for everyone else. Yeah. And that drives me. That really drives me. I can feel that as you're talking. That's beautiful. And it sounds like really working to, to, to bring people into direct experience of their experience rather than the lens of the beliefs or the past trauma or the stories, oh, or this is just going to go the same way that last time went. So the presencing, and so is it, Lisa, is it, is it, is it creating new dialogue and new stories or is it actually, is your work actually to, to erase the dialogue and and the stories entirely, or can we even do that? I think there's a mix of things happening, but what I, I think a lot of the work is, is perhaps we see our lives through certain lenses um, when we're wounded, when we have a limited or wounded belief that um, affects how we think, it affects how we feel, it affects our body because we know stress doesn't have to be a physical stress, but it can become physical. And so they're also interconnected. And um, when we address those those lenses that might be kind of tainting our experience and we start to clear them away, then all of the experiences we had previously start to shift in another way as well. We start to see things differently. We start to have more compassion. We start to be more present. We, um, we develop our relationship with ourselves and with other people in a different way. And that is very hard to um, conceptualize when we're used to what is what might be normal for us. And normal doesn't necessarily mean healthy, but we just get used to what might be normal. And so as we kind of clear, clear lenses away that might be unhealthy for us, and it's different for everyone, 
then we start to experience things in a different way. And that's a healthy life. That's a thriving life. Um, and it shakes through our thoughts and our emotions and our body. Um, we, we hold so much stress in the body. We know that. Um, we, you know, we get tense, we tighten up. Um, and so we can see how they're interrelated in that way. Um, and I know, you know, you've done for you, you've done a tremendous amount of energy work and healing work in that way. And how, how have you kind of found that in that kind of interaction for people? What's your why? I'm really interested. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> it's so it's so funny too, Lisa. When we first connected, you know, we marveled at also our our shared career history. That that Lisa was in journalism and communications, and I was the communications officer for for an environment institute for many years. And so this so this um, what I suggested to Lisa that I can see she has clearly embraced is that this may look less like an interview and more like a conversation. So thank you, Lisa. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I like the way you put it about clearing the lenses and then seeing things in a new way and allowing for those experiences to shake through and affect our affect the various various levels of our of our beings. Um, and what I I guess my why is looking at the where do we hold that means even when maybe we wipe away some of the grit those experiences can't be shaken through. Like how do we form these unconscious allegiances with our pain and our suffering from a place of maybe extreme loyalty to family pain and suffering, you know? Maybe from safety, so much of so much of, of what we hold and why we hold it is because we're just trying to just trying to create a safe container for ourselves again. And so, yeah, the why is you've nailed it absolutely. Clear the lens away so we can come into like presence with this, the amazing interconnected experience that we could be having in this world with these one lives. Like for all we know, we just get to do it once. I think you and I probably think differently, but anyway, who knows? Maybe we're wrong. Maybe we do just get the once. And, this, and how much would the whole earth benefit from that? Um, and I think the place where I get really excited is in the, is in the, 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 what I call the archaeological excavation of healing work, you know, like just getting in there with people that really want to do it. Okay. So where, where can't this work for you? Where do you hold and why do you hold it? And how can we allow for that presencing to come into contact with those spaces, so that the shaking can happen instead of feeling frustrated with ourselves like oh why do i always oh, i'm always sabotaging my experiences or i always judge people or always do this and we beat ourselves up for it where can we really come into presence with our our precious wounded selves that only came here to love in the first place that was all we wanted to do you know at some point along the way just some hurt happened that was too big for us to to resolve so yeah and 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 so to to <laughs> pop the ball back to your side of the court lisa <laughs> how do you what do you think you you know your your shamanic studies you clearly have a deeply felt place with with 
the earth, with nature, with um, our more than human um, cohabitants. Um, how can nature help us here? Oh, my goodness. You know, I, since I was a child, I loved being in nature. And I recognize that many people find nature very uncomfortable. <laughs> and, you know, so, um, and, and I, I love, I love that aspect of things too, because it says so much uh, about, about us, um, just in, in our, in, in where we're at and how we're learning. And um, I really love it. But I, um, you know, I always ask myself when I would be out in the forest, even as a kid, and, and even to this day, what is going on around me? Mm. You know, it, it is so complex and everything is working together. And each plant and each animal has a function in the environment and they're, they're in harmony. And so, um, so often, and I've taken people out on, on forest walks even just to kind of have different experiences because some people really, you know, are just feel so separate from our environment. We live in cities, we're not around um, uh, nature often for many of us and we don't have the opportunity. And so it feels like a foreign place to kind of enter into nature. And so, um, going in there and recognizing that we are very much part of it, that we believe we're separate, but we're not. We are very much part of the earth, very much part of nature. And, um, um, and just kind of observing how all of the plants and animals um, have jobs, they are in harmony, they're each doing something, um, just inherent to their nature that and you know what what can i learn from watching how this plant behaves or watching how this animal does something um in some of in 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 my studies we have certain animals that we look at very closely and um, one of them is a beaver and beavers are incredible engineers and they engineer the world around them and everything accommodates how they change things. They are excellent at boundaries. And so what can we learn about boundaries from that animal in how we set up healthy boundaries and how things accommodate us and how we can engineer those things and still be in harmony with everything around us. And so there are so many beautiful teachings that we can find when we sit with nature and, um, and take the opportunity to learn that. And they feel like they're there helping teach us those things when we sit. And, and just like any other person who's around us is teaching us something and we're teaching them something. Everything's so interconnected in that way. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love the example that you <clears throat> that you gave about beavers and their engineering. And when they engineer and they create these structures, they do it in, like everything has to adapt around it, but they they do it in har harmony is still restored, or maybe even greater harmony. It's a part of a part of the cycles of things. And something that I've I've 
has helped me find a lot of softness and, and compassion for the human race that I felt quite angry with for a long time, all the ways that we were ruining things, you know? And I guess it's maybe the medicine of beavers that helped me, without knowing it, that helped me find compassion. And it's really seeing the gift um, that human beings have of incredible ingenuity, incredible creation, and that everything that we created didn't start from a bad place. It actually all started from wanting to make life easier or better or, you know, just to streamline systems. It didn't start from a bad place. But, you know, at some point, the importance of considering the whole, I guess, outside of the convenience for human beings was lost. You know, whenever, who knows, was it colonialism that maybe decided that, you know, we were the, we were the ones on top and everything else was underneath. Um, but if we could return to the way of the beaver and, and finding that we don't have to necessarily stop everything we do, do we? Mm, right. And, and, and that, you know, we can, um, and that's the, the compassion part where I feel like we, we do start everything from a good place and then some, we, we've lost our way in many, in many ways. We've forgotten how to eat properly. We've forgotten how to properly take care of ourselves, how to live in many ways. And, and um, I feel like in the time that we're in, it's a time where we're remembering how to do those things and relearning and remembering how to come back to um, doing things in a loving way for ourselves and others where we've kind of maybe um, taken a couple of turns and we need to maybe reassess those turns <laughs> and, um, and come back to um, that kind of remembering of, of how we do things, how, how we live in a healthy way, in an interconnected way, um, and how to reconnect with each other and we've been trying, we've been trying to reconnect with each other. And then, um, you know, creating the internet is, is like this idea where we're interconnected and it's very much mimicking nature. And I find that we do that constantly. We're mimicking things from nature. And it's, I feel like it's kind of a longing to get back to the original to what was it really? How were we really connected person to person? Um, and, and being more connected with um, the, the ebb and flow of nature. Yeah, totally. And I think you're right. There is this awakening actually to, to our suffering from all the separation and the disconnection and the loss of those, those original ways um, in place of something that maybe looked kind of shiny and glossy on the outside, but which is not nourishing. You know, it's every day McDonald's Happy Meals, like it's tired. Like this is, <laughs> we want, we want, we want something nutritious again. And so, you know, the, the challenge that I, one of the challenges I think that we're facing, and this really hit home for me when I read White Fragility and saw, whoa, this isn't just, we're not just fragile about having conversations about, about racial injustice and violence and disparity. And we're fragile in regards to all of the suffering that we've perpetuated. 
You know, we want to get, yes, we want to get to the other side of where we're living in harmony with the earth, where everybody is treated equally, where we're living in connected ways with each other. We want to get there. But to get there is this important acknowledgement piece that involves feeling really hard feelings. And I think we're trying to skip past that. And this incredible fragility, oh, like, don't, oh, don't talk to me about that. That makes me feel bad. Or, oh, that's, that makes me feel too sad. Or I can't think about that. Or we, ha well, I think we have to. And so what is the role of that, of feeling our, feeling our grief, the grief of what we've missed, of what we've lost, of what's no longer possible? Because there's a whole lot that's no longer possible. So, yeah, what do you think the role of feeling those feelings is in all of this? Um. I, I feel grief is something that we need to do. We need to honor something we've lost. We need to honor um, the ways that we feel we've gone wrong. We've, we need to honor the emotions that we have, the things that we need to change in ourselves. So if we, if we don't feel those hard feelings, we can't grow past where we're at. And so we always, as you said, is this idea where we want to skip that pain. And, and we try to skip pain all the time, right? I have a headache. I'm going to take something for that. Like, really, we, we've come to this kind of where we, pain is, we should never, ever feel pain and suffering. But really, we're feeling it all the time. And that's the heartbreaking part. And so, but when we, when we stop running from it and we stop and we turn to face it, and we acknowledge it and we acknowledge where we at where where we're at that's the only place that we can start to change is that first we have to acknowledge where we're at and then we can start to change otherwise we are we're running from change and so that's that's the kind of um, the piece that i feel we we often try to skip over or overlook is that that part where we have to really be honest um, with ourselves and how we're feeling and um, what has happened and what we've done and where we're at, even when it's a really hard look and to feel all of that stuff because the more we push it away, it's not gone. It's there. It's there, but we're pretending it's not and it just keeps building and building. And so for us to release that is to, and, you know, emotion and feelings, all of that stuff is a message. It's communication. Again, what's it telling us? It it's telling us that there's something that's, that needs to be addressed, that needs to be acknowledged and um, that we, we need to sit with and understand. And once we do that, it starts to dissipate. That's really I think in, from my experience and my point of view, really the only way for it to, for that pressure cooker, the lid to come off and the, the pressure to escape is to, is to recognize and sit with them. And then they start because they're trying to tell us something. And the more we don't listen, the louder they get. And so grieving is just so important. It's such an important part of growth and it teaches us so much. And it teaches us that really there's love there. 
that pain is there because there's love there and it it's not it's, it has it's not being directed where it needs to go yes oh i really love the way you finished it that grieving is because there's love there yeah yeah and I mean, you're so right. We've become a culture of avoidance of pain and that pain is bad, you know, desperately seeking joy all the time at the expense of actually finding joy <laughs> really deeply. So do you find in your, in your work with people individually, is this coming up? Is, is, is grief for our, for our greater whole, for the, for the planet, for, you know, the unraveling of this, of this system, the recognition of the, of the violence and the suffering we've perpetuated. Is this coming up with individuals and in your work with them? That's something people are talking about. Yes. And I, I feel like, so because we so often feel so disconnected, we feel like it's just our own. And so we, you know, the mind will take the emotion and it'll attach it to a story mm-hmm. so that it makes sense because why am I feeling all of this grief? And so we'll have a story that goes with that because it's, you know, how trying to understand, um, but it's beyond story. You know, we, we have our compartmentalized lives, but when most of the time we're not stepping back to see, okay, this is, you know, this is the collective grief where we're at. It's not just my own and it very much is my own, but it's also all of ours. And so, um, you know, a, a big part of that is people understanding that they're not alone, that, that it's not just, you know, um, what's going on in their lives. It's, it's the person next to you. It's the person across from you. It's that person that you just walk by at the store or at the checkout. You know, um, we're in this place where we now have to look at our emotions and feel them because it's kind of bubbling over. Mm. And, um, and I see it a lot in individual um, healing sessions and each person has their their experiences from their own life and amazingly and beautifully each person who comes in is it has these similarities from the previous because we're so interconnected and we are all feeling these feelings and so um and but we have this idea that we're alone in them and we're really not um so it's, you know, um, we're at a state where people's, our health isn't great overall as a general, in terms of, you know, optimal and generally where most of us are at, it's, it's just not, it's not there. And so I've always been wondering why, why, why is, why are we not super well, you know, even people who, um, who really take very good care of their bodies um, and are in great physical health. There's the, and we're seeing it even now with Olympics, the, the mental emotional health is missing. There's, there's parts that aren't coming together in a holistic way. 
And so we seem like we're in great health and, and we're not. And, and vice versa. Sometimes, you know, um, the, the, it's the body component that's not falling into line or that this, you know, stress or any, in any, in any one of those components. And again, interconnectivity and that holistic view. So everything's so interconnected and we are, and we know we are, because if you, you know, if I walk into your room and I have a scowl on my face, mm -hmm. I will affect you. Mm -hmm. I don't have to say anything. Or if I walk in and I smile at you, and maybe you are having kind of a meh kind of day, that affects you. And that's, that's across the board all the time. So we really it, it affect each other. And so we're in a time right now where it's a tremendous amount of stress, a tremendous amount of change, um, a lot of unknowns. And um, I think that it's a catalyst for us to work together to remember how interconnected we are, to, um, to have compassion and be kind and understanding. And um, that's a lot of the work uh, in terms of healing is that. And, and again, feeling that grief and um, remembering that we are so interconnected. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And I love what you say about the stress of these times as a catalyst to actually be kind and compassionate. And I think I, I do not want to spend any time talking about the thing that everybody's talking about right now, which is the thing I'm not even going to say because everybody's talking about it. However, <laughs> you know, there is an opportunity in that. Um, you know, we got pro this and we got anti that and we create can create all kinds of stories about who's right and who's wrong and who knows, everybody's just doing their best, you know, and is there a space even in that for kindness and compassion? Um, and it's a difficult one. I don't, you know, yes, of course, there's always a space for kindness and compassion while understanding both sides of the argument and ultimately that everybody's just trying to do the thing that they think is that they think is right. Um, so, Lisa, I don't know if this is where our conversation gets weird, but <laughs> what I would like, <laughs> what I would like to talk to you about now, because we both come from more of a, a, a practical world, you know, our previous careers were conducted largely in the physical world. We probably both paid a lot of attention to science, which is very important. Um, but something that I had to do a few years ago was um, acknowledge in a way that I hadn't what science was saying about where we were going. I've been invested in working towards hope. Uh, what I was hoping for was a positive, positive uh, resolution in regards to our climate crisis for a long time. And a few years ago, I had to sit and acknowledge, wow, things have gotten really, really bad. And I hadn't done that. It was like the little girl still had her save the world hat on. And so I grieved for, I just, I grieved for weeks and just let it roll and then found a place of actually just being able to be present and not turn away from and feel and, and, and accept what science was saying was happening. 
But somehow in that then, I looked to hang my hope on something else because, you know, again, there's this, you know, Greta Thunberg has come out and made this announcement about the UN report and things look increasingly dire. I think in Canada, we're all, no matter where you are, whether you live out west, out east, or in the middle, we're all feeling the effects of climate change. Like this is 2021, apparently, according to Greta Thunberg. Also, coincidentally, not only are we experiencing the effects of climate change, very profoundly this year but somehow in spite of travel restrictions and supposedly people moving around less and 2021 will be our second highest annual emissions increase ever so somehow we just things are bad and we just keep making them worse and so in my quest to hang my hope on something other than science (laughs) because hope is important i don't want to be delusional but hope helps a person stay going i think i've quite genuinely found my place to what has been waiting for me all along which is the realm of of spirit these these invisible realms this place of interconnection this energetic place that weaves us all together where stuff happens that science doesn't even really know about yet or necessarily have an explanation for and I feel a lot of genuine possibility there in the waking up and the interconnectedness that's happening in those layers and so can you what are you feeling can you comment on that Hmm. yeah yes you know very much like you I come I come from a very lots of science and uh and it's um it's always, it seems to me that when we're talking about the realm of spirit and energy and um, what we don't see um, at face value, the behind the curtain kind of things, our, our interconnectivity that um, science talks about with a different language. And so they often are saying similar things just in a different language. And part of that is kind of decoding. Um, and again, communication background. So I'm, uh, and languages and, um, you know, how the body speaks, how the mind speaks, the emotions speak, how the spirits speak. Um, and what's that saying to us? And m- the most beautiful thing to me is, um, imagination and and uh what what is fascinating to me is that I often hear people say well it's just my imagination and to which I reply there's no such thing as just your imagination because if spirit were talking to you how do you suppose that would happen because we can feel it in the body, we can feel it, but in our imagination. And so, you know, we do something called journeying, um, which is a lot like guided meditation. And in, in, and deep in meditation is where insights come. And Einstein always said it, when I stop thinking, the answer comes. 99 times, you know, out of 100. I stop thinking and the answer comes. It's coming in. It's coming in from somewhere. And it's not from my mind. <laughs> and so, you know, how do we sit with that and really glean uh, all of the teachings and insights from that place? 
And that to me is really kind of moving into the realm of spirit where we are interconnected with something beyond um, just our bodies and what we see, but what, what is the source of us and how are we all part of one source and everything around us? And that really brings us into something really beautiful and one. And, um, and it's such a remarkable space to be in when we really explore that place honestly. And, um, and we see that, that how much of what's around us is so loving. So um, yeah, and, and that to me is very much kind of entering into the world of spirit. Um, beyond what just what we see wow listening letting your words I guess speak to my speak to my soul that's always looking to soak those words and I feel like I just had a little mystical experience right there that that I love the way you said it's what's coming in insight inspiration right our language even points us towards that and yet, you know, the how do we get there? And I guess you right there, if you're open, which I am open to it, you right there just allowing my body to follow the energy of your words. I was guided into this place of, okay, not, you know, because we're sitting here looking at each other on Zoom, not absolutely <laughs> dissolving into oneness, but a glimpse of that. I felt everything soften. I felt this, oh, this feeling of peace come into my body through being open to the genuine energy that you were conveying through your words. And that's beautiful. Can you, so I have two questions. First of all is a practical one. So you can choose which one to, is the, okay, so how do we sit with that? You said, you know, to receive this, to let spirits speak through us, to let the information in. So some practical to the how, how do we do that? And then the other thing is, at the start, you said, you know, our, our maybe science, you know, the, the realm of science and the realm of mysticism and spirit maybe aren't all that different. Maybe the, we're actually saying the same thing in different languages. So I would also like to hear from, if you, if you know the words for it, how is science communicating what you just said? Mm. Yeah, it's, you know, it's... Um... It's, it can be so complex in terms of where we're going with science and how they they um, they speak um, and and that's why I I love quantum so much um, that is where we start to see science um, it to me it's it's it confuses science because it's the world where um, consciousness meets matter and so we have the theory of relativity and matter and physics and then we have this quantum aspect where suddenly we're measuring the mechanics of consciousness and where matter meets consciousness is a very fascinating space because we start to realize that the things that we think and believe actually make up the world around us and will actually affect it in a physical way. And that is absolutely fascinating. So there's where we start to see spirit touching the physical world. And, um, 
And it is a fundamentally different way to approach life from, from how we're, we've mostly been taught in the Western world. And, um, and so, um, you know, when they measured this in experiments in, in quantum, in quantum science, they are ultimately very confused as to why, why when we're observing something and we have an idea of what the outcome will be, it, it's affecting the outcome of the experiment. And um, that brings a lot of questions in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's where they call you. <laughs> Einstein called it spooky action at a distance. So, you know, how are our thoughts or how are things that are not even touching physically changing each other? Uh, how are they exactly connected? Like it's two on one side of the earth and on the other side of the earth, but you affect one and the other one is affected with zero delay. That brings into question time and space. It brings into question the very nature of reality and the material world. And so when we're talking about spirit and um, interconnectivity, this is kind of like we are, we're peering into this material world, but where are we peering from? <laughs> where's, where's the home base behind that curtain, right? Um, and so I just love the, the, the how, how strange and weird it can get because it's really um, questioning uh, everything. And I love at even, you know, chicken or the egg, was I a journalist because I like to question things or you know, do I question things because I was a journalist? Well, I've questioned things my whole life. And I, I, I love those kind of honest questions about is what we see really what we think it is. And that's so, to me, so empowering for each of us. So when we're circling back to that, that, that healing aspect and really sitting into that realm of spirit, it's how do we really get those insights and get into that space where as we heal, we clear away the, the, um, those lenses that were maybe, you know, not allowing us to really see clearly. And each time we do that, we get closer and become more connected and empowered with spirit, the, the truth of all nature, the truth of who we are, and really getting to know who we are truly. And that is, you know, just such a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to observe in people as well, just watching them uh, have these insights. So as a healer, to me, I'm, we are each inherently healers, every single person. We see it in nature. We, if we cut our hand, it heals. We don't have to think about that. It is inherent to nature, the healing part, coming back to wholeness. And, um, and so I feel like we as healers, when we call ourselves healers, for me, I'm guiding someone in their own healing. 
you know, there, we know how to heal ourselves. We all do. It's inherent in our nature. We just need the right environment for that and some, and, and some guidance a lot of the time, but, um, but, you know, we're doing the work. Each individual person does the work in their own healing. They're healing themselves. And it's beautiful to watch um, how, how, um, how much people can grow and change just from um, sinking into that space of spirit where we know we can heal, where we know we're whole and we're just peeling away the, the, the wounds that are blinding us to that. Beautiful. And just there, I mean, another route to a mystical experience through the mind, actually, you know, just that, that kind of quite mind-blowing concept, the place where consciousness and, and matter mix and how it's something like it eludes sight, what happens there and how does it happen? Who knows, but it happens. And that even that, as if we need a replacement lens for the world, that's a pretty good one. That like, maybe it actually does matter. Maybe it does matter in a, in a bigger sense that I come into healing and wholeness in myself. Maybe it does matter how, what I think. Maybe what I say to people. Maybe whether or not I smile. Maybe all my actions actually do matter. Maybe I am shaping matter <laughs> in a way I never considered before. What a beautiful and empowering concept. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I, it's that... Um a drop in the ocean, an ocean in a drop, you know, because oh, we yeah. do each matter. And so if we can get into that place of stillness and wholeness and compassion and love within ourselves, it spreads. Yeah. It spreads to you because we are so interconnected. Yeah. yeah. It's it's beautiful. It's just I I think it's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you. <laughs> totally. Wow, Lisa. Beautiful. So I, you know, I like how I feel like we have completed a conversation that could keep going or we could take different tangents, but what a beautiful note to finish on. But what I would love now is for you to share. So how people can can receive your guidance how they can learn from you what do you offer can you i don't actually even know what you i know you teach and you do one-on-one -on -one sessions but can you yeah tell me a bit more about that yeah so i'm uh i am at um the kingston integrated healthcare um clinic now in kingston um and so i do one-on-one -on -one sessions there and i will be offering different teachings from there um and also um, some online programs, which I'm pretty excited about so that we can work together in groups because individuals so beautiful and important, but then coming together and, and doing that together is also um, just so valuable. Mm. Um, so I, uh, and I also, um, and I also assist in teaching and also teach um, uh, Reiki as well. And that, and that, so there, you know, um, there are many offerings that I have and, um, I'm most easily reached on my website. So 
that's yeah. kind of where the hub of everything is in terms of what I'm offering. Yeah. Amazing. And how to reach me if people have questions and things like that too. I love, I love, I love connecting. So. And, and your website is lisasabatini.com. Beautiful. And you can Beautiful. find me on social media too. <laughs> Good. Lisa, thank you so much. This has been such a joy for me. I'm so happy you're in Kingston and really excited to um, have you in this field. Um, yeah, have you in this field of healing and compassion and love and support and possibility is what it feels like too. Thank you so much, Sarah. I, I am so just thanks for inviting me for, for the chat. I, I, loved every moment of it wonderful <laughs> so lovely good yeah thank you thank you thank you lisa thank you and thank you for listening